Hi, welcome back to the Abiding CEO podcast where faith meets business. I am so excited and just spent the past few minutes connecting, reconnecting, reminiscing on where I met today's guest. So today's guest is a friend of mine, Jamal Jones, and he has a practice out in California, but I'm going to let him share a little bit about himself. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Betsy. I appreciate you having me here, and I am so excited to be here. As you mentioned, I'll let the audience know that I'm Jamal Jones. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist based out of Fresno, California, also the son of a pastor, a devout woman of faith. I'll call my mom Virtuous Moms based on Apostles 31. And yeah, I have a, I actually do business as Central Valley Christian Council just to make it as easy as possible for people uh, in my state who are Christian and seeking out mental health services to, to locate me and my services. And um, I also am a coach for therapists in private practice. So I like to say that I help individuals, couples, and organizations take inspired action with more clarity, confidence, and courage, empowering them to be the best version of themselves, taking more risk free of guilt, shame, or any regrets, mm-hmm. and grew up in the East Bay area, been living in Fresno for the last 24 years. My wife, Maddie, and I have been married for nine years. We have an eight-year-old daughter named Grace. She's a second grader. This is my fourth year in private practice and was so excited, Betsy, to discover that you now have this podcast where you talk about the intersection between faith and being an entrepreneur. I know for me, being an entrepreneur is an act of faith, a reflection of my personal walk with the Lord as my savior and just the daily challenges that come up, the opportunities that we have. It really does require like having belief, having trust, having confidence, sometimes not having all, all the information that you want, but making a faith-based decision that's data-informed as well. So thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. No, definitely, definitely. And I remember when you commented on Facebook right after I announced that I started it, and I immediately smiled because when I think of you, I just think about just how positive you are and how encouraging, like your presence, like you truly light up a room and you come up with nicknames for people. And I knew, okay, yeah, definitely. He's a great fit. And then when I learned that you were, are a PK kid, I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that alone is a testimony because, you know, with PK kids, you either follow and stay on the path or you, you go astray. Like it seems outsider looking in. I'm not a PK kid, but mm-hmm. it's so extreme. How has that impacted your career now? It's been a game changer. It really, being a PK kid and growing up in an intact family, the youngest of five, I have two older brothers, two older sisters. If I had to pick one verse out of the Bible to, to describe my parents' leadership for us, it will be Joshua twenty four fifteen, mm-hmm. uh, where it says, choose this day whom you will serve. Mm-hmm. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's the mindset that my dad and mom raised us with. We were raised in an environment where we valued faith. Uh, we valued prayer. We valued being involved in the life of the church, whether it's youth ministry, men's ministry, youth camps. We value meditation, all the spiritual disciplines. I guess looking back, I can say how blessed it was to be in a home environment where for us, when we went to church, the church was reinforcing what was being taught at home. And my parents are not perfect, but they are very faithful to God, very loyal. Mm -hmm. And I am a younger version of, of my father. That's in cool. reflection of in reflection of my mother. That's awesome. I know that I've had the conversation with my kids because I didn't want to teach them to play church. So I've had the conversation like, have mom and daddy showed you religion or relationship? And do you know the difference? 
and they mm-hmm. understand and they will tell you. Mm-hmm. And I was really relieved to, to hear them say that they, they're learning relationship because I think that is key. Now I'm going to step on my little soapbox. Um, something I may not have shared with you is that I'm currently in a doctoral program. Mm. It's a doctor of ministry and spiritual formation and leadership. I am researching like that secure attachment with God mm-hmm. in oh. entrepreneurs only nice. because of my own journey. And I mean, you met me when I was like so stressed out two years in, didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm going to share with the group how for encouragement in the Facebook group, you mm-hmm. shared the Carrie Jove song, the blessing song, the Ariana. <laughs> and I just, I remember playing it a couple of times and you probably didn't even realize how much that moment mm. was exactly what I needed to hear mm. to know that I was on the right path. Mm. But you didn't come here to hear my story. <laughs> how about you? When did you know that being an LMFT, being a coach for therapists was the right path for you? I didn't. <laughs> I was honest. Yeah, if you would have if you would have told me uh, when I was younger that I would one day be a therapist and, and be a coach for other therapists in private practice. It wasn't on my radar at all. When I was a kid, I knew I wanted to receive a scholarship to college. So I did receive one to Fresno State. And when I got to Fresno State as a student athlete, I got involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So my dream was to go into full-time ministry one day or to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And as I got deeper into my college career, I realized that going to the NFL and being a professional football player may not have been what God wanted for me. And so I went on staff full-time with FCA. I actually became a pastor and I became a chaplain for the Bulldog football program at Fresno State and the campus director for FCA at Fresno State. And I was on staff at FCA for four years or seven years total. Mm. And in 07, 08, we had the economic crisis. And as you know, Betsy, when you work for a nonprofit, it's like being a missionary. You're responsible for fundraising, mm. all your operational expenses, your salary, medical benefits, And to make a long story short, the economic crisis literally scared me back to graduate school. And I began to ask myself, well, if I'm not going to continue to serve as a a paid pastor, like in ministry, how do my skills transfer into the secular world? What am I going to do? So I explored getting an MBA in business. I explored getting a master's in in sports psychology. But when I spoke to the counselor, he told me there was a degree in marriage and family therapy, marriage, family, child therapy. I was like, I can do that. I believe in marriage. I believe in family. So I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about like the, the true nature of what it means to work in mental health. I was just responding to like a calling from God and a desire to want to invest in marriages and invest in families and to help children uh, be healthy. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2009. So my last two and a half years of ministry, I was also going to school for a time. And that's kind of the backstory of how I ended up in this line of work. There's like so much I can ask you about that. I'll go with this one. What are some of the differences and similarities between being a therapist and a pastor? Well, the one thing that's consistent is my personal walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely do believe that as a man of faith, uh, everything begins with my my own spiritual growth, my own spiritual development. and as I'm growing in my faith and becoming more aware of how am I gifted? Uh, what are my talents? What are my limitations? I've always loved God. I've always loved people. I've always been inspirational. Like when I was in high school on a football team, 
my high school teammates uh, voted me most inspirational player. My senior year of college, my teammates voted me most inspirational player. So over the course of my life, the positive energy and inspirational, that's just one thing that God has given me through the power of the Holy Spirit to really be an encourager. And when you think about being a pastor, you're constantly having to encourage yourself, kind of like how David, when he was alone in a hard time in his life, David had to strengthen himself in the Lord and encourage himself. And out of an overflow of that personal relationship, I can now, when I was a pastor, I can encourage others who were who were grieving, who were dealing with relationship problems, who needed someone to listen to them and support them. So as a pastor, I had many of the same qualities that I now embody as a therapist. And I would add in mental health, there's, you know, we are on the front lines when it comes to dealing with things like, like hopelessness and helplessness and lack of purpose and lack of direction. And to be a, a, a mental health care practitioner and to instill hope in people's lives and to strengthen their faith and to help them overcome um, anxiety by being more brave and courageous. And for me, even though I don't officially practice as a pastor anymore, you could kind of say that um, this is my ministry. Like I'm, I'm doing business as a licensed marriage and family therapist. And it is a business part to it. You know, there's things that you, that you want to do to be profitable and successful. But my business is a reflection of my walk with God. And it is a, a ministry to mental health because I genuinely believe that we do need more faith-based practitioners in the mental health industry, particularly Christian mental health care providers, because there's so many people looking for us. They are. They are. We, we get it all the time. That's why people come to Abundant Life. They specifically want that faith-based approach mm -hmm. to counseling. And then there's the business side of things where it can't be free. There is a cost to doing business, mm -hmm. but how do we balance that tension? And I think it's just a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, as a business owner and CEO of my companies, particularly my therapy practice, Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm constantly praying through and working through is having the, the grace and the strength to enforce my policies. Because on the business side, when someone schedules on our calendar, that spot is dedicated to them. As a trained practitioner uh, with a master's degree and a license and all the continued education that we have and just all the ongoing, I mean, we are, we are genuinely like gifted and we are experts at what we do. So it's like going to see a surgeon or going to the dentist or going to your tax appointment or having an appointment with a lawyer. Uh, we are faith-based professional service providers. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that comes up regularly is how do we handle our late cancellations and no-shows for those clients who pay privately? Mm -hmm. And in the last two years, I've adopted a rescheduling policy or some call it a consistency policy uh, where as part of your mental health plan of care, you need to show up for your appointments. And if you don't show up for your appointments, you are still financially responsible for that time slot because on the business side, we cannot replace that. Not only that mm -hmm. time slot, but all the preparation that we do between the resources, the, the marketing that we do, the advertising. Mm -hmm. There's so much that goes into being a business owner that we need to be aware of that our clients aren't necessarily thinking about. They're just waking up and oftentimes and just don't feel like going to therapy today or something they might have a something happen in their life that could wait, but they'll choose that over keeping their medical appointment. And so part of our job is to bring that accountability. And one way to do that 
is to enforce our policies when it comes to like charging our clients when they when they late cancel or no show. Yeah, and and that's biblical, right? God showed us boundaries, mm-hmm. and that's out of love that mm-hmm. boundaries and accountability exist. Now, when you were communicating with us, you talked about this burnout treadmill, and I was like, oh, that is the perfect description. You're on this treadmill. It's going and going and going. You're trying to stop it. You're trying to slow it down and you just can't catch your breath because something's just can't wait. And it feels like everything's on fire. Mm -hmm. What do you do to get off of it? Well, what I've done, um, I've come to realize that on the business side of things, and in some ways in terms of our client care, the traditional one-to-one fee-for-service model in private practice is not sustainable, especially if we're undercharging for our services. Uh, because the nature of the work that we do, we are a, a holding space and a container for people who are dealing with complex trauma, unresolved grief, relationship problems, mood disorders, levels of depression, oftentimes suicidality. We're assessing for CPS cases. Like the nature of our work is it takes a, not just a physical, but an emotional toll. And when we are undercharging for our services are for those who are on insurance panels or with tech companies who are being under, who are not being reimbursed at a high enough rate, it basically forces us to have a really big caseload. Mm-hmm. And when we are having too many clients on a daily basis, on a weekly basis throughout the year, over the course of a career, that's where the getting tired comes in. That's where resentment comes in. That's when we find ourselves sometimes feeling like we're spending more time investing in our clients and the health of their marriages mm-hmm. and their families and helping them parent their kids. And we're neglecting our own marriage, our own family, because we're preoccupied with sessions, our assessments and progress notes and all the administrative tasks that come along with being an entrepreneur. So one of the things that I've done is acknowledge all those factors. I now have a non-traditional therapy practice where I offer premium therapy packages. And these packages are really what's helping me sustain the longevity of my career because when clients uh, invest in these packages, it's a win for them because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know that my clients are invested in their own healing, their own recovery, their own transformation. So when they invest in the package, that's just the tone for the rest of treatment. Um, and this package model it addresses capturing that money that you need, you need to capture to be profitable in your company because you're capturing more resources up front as opposed to getting paid by by the session. Yeah. Just as an example, I have one client that he actually decided to make a full payment up front last year of $6,000. And I have couples who have put down deposits of like $3,500 after the consultation if then they give me permission to build to, to to build them for the remaining balance. And these packages at the time were valued at $7,500. So what it does is they're motivated and there's more cash flow in my company. Mm-hmm. And if they late cancel or no show, these clients make their appointments. Sometimes life does happen, but it doesn't hurt as much on the financial side because it's already been captured. And you're not anxious about, is it a legitimate missing appointment? Because with the one-to-one model, we get ghosted, right? A, a client comes to us one-to-one and they say, hey, I want to see you today and and, and I want to pay the fee today. And then sometimes they stop returning phone calls or therapy isn't a priority for them anymore. 
So this package model really addresses multiple issues. Sounds like it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So switching gears on you a little bit and shouldn't be a surprise, but my foundational scripture is John 15, 5. Mm-hmm. I am divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Other versions use the word abiding, which is where I got the abiding CEO. What does it mean to you to be an abiding CEO? Everything be- begins and ends with my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, uh, my personal commitment to reading uh, the Bible, which I believe which I believe to be God's word, uh, my personal commitment to being involved in the life of my faith family, my local church, living a life of service and, and serving first and foremost at home, right? As a 21st century husband, I acknowledge that it's important for me to show up when it comes to like doing laundry and washing dishes and uh, showing up as a father to help get my daughter ready for school, uh, helping with homework, being present for birthday parties, um, even though birthdays aren't as big a deal for me and my family and how I grew up, but I'm married to a beautiful woman who her and her family are really passionate about birthdays. So I show up for those birthdays. <laughs> so, and that's important because it speaks to my self-care. For me to be a abiding CEO, I got to have good spiritual self-care. I got to take care of uh, my own physical health. A good word to use would be stewardship, right? I want to steward yes. everything and everybody, all my time, my talents, my resources that God has entrusted to my care. And part of that stewardship is designing my businesses in a way that protects me from work-life balance. Because as you know, Betsy, uh, being a business owner, it can consume your life. Yeah. And I do, I do not want to be successful in business at the expense of my own marriage, my own family, my own self-care, my own walk with the Lord. That's right. That's right. And the research shows that there's a high divorce rate. Mm-hmm. There's high stress. There's health issues. We'll neglect all parts of us. Mm-hmm. We'll work 80 hours for ourselves just so we don't have to work 40 hours for somebody else. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah. Not stewarding properly. Well, Jamal, as I start wrapping up, is there anything else you want to share? Thank you for having me. If anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm located in California in the San Joaquin Valley, Fresno, California. If anyone needs a marriage counselor or an individual therapist, feel free to reach out. I'm also a coach with therapists in private practice. So if there's any therapists in private practice listening who find themselves overwhelmed with assessments and progress notes and a big caseload and they want to adopt and they need help with their money and business mindset and their marketing and sales, um, I'd be happy to be of service to them. And they can reach me at Central Valley Christian Council. Uh, council is spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L uh, dot com. They're on my website and or my coaching practice is the Purpose Driven Therapist. Jamal, thank you so much for that. And I want our listeners to know Jamal is the real deal. What you see is what you get. And I thought it would be fitting and appropriate to end this episode reading The Ironic Blessing, which is what the Carrie Job song is based on which is what you shared for me when I was transitioning from 1099 to W2 pulling my hair out. For all our listeners, this is Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Keep abiding. Love you guys.